Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. We are starting a new sermon series. The slide is up there for us now. Now, something a bit different. Uh, This will be more a topical series we'll be doing over the next four weeks. Thinking there about um, single, singleness, dating, marriage and family. Uh, Normally when we preach here at Exchange, we take a book of the Bible and sort of just step all the way through that. This time we're going to just do something a bit different over the next few weeks and take some topics. So... It's good to sort of just break things up and do things from a slightly different angle. So if you're sort of thinking we're going to get into a passage and pull up, we'll get into God's Word for sure and we'll talk bits and pieces around that. But we're going to talk around how the Bible frames these various areas. So uh, this week's going to be about um, singleness and uh, how we can redeem that for the glory of God. Tell me this, uh, as a single person, have you experienced it before? And you may be married as well, and you may have experienced this too when you were single. Perhaps you've caught up with some extended family at a barbecue or an outing or somewhere, and maybe grandma or auntie walks up to you and says, have you got a boyfriend yet? You know, you're a pretty young girl, like you should have no trouble finding a husband. You may have heard that before, and it could be the vice versa. If you're the boy, have you got a girlfriend yet? Away it goes. Now, the first time that's said to you, it might just bounce off, and that's all right. I know Grandma, she's always speaking straight from the head and not really thinking about what she's saying sometimes. But after a while, as you hear it again and again and again, and maybe you're getting a little bit older as well at the same time, it starts to bite. It starts to hurt now. Is there, like, something wrong with me? The way they keep saying this same thing over and over again a number of times. Singleness. Jesus wants to redeem our singleness to find hope and joy in him and fulfilment and satisfaction during this season. We look at that now. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, go to 1 Corinthians 10. And we're going to read one verse that will frame uh, where we're going to see our singleness. So... 1 Corinthians 10.31, if you haven't got a Bible with you, we, uh, we'll have it up on the screen as well. So Here we go. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Father, thank you that we can gather together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have inspired this word. This is the living, breathing words of God. Uh, Lord, as we think about this really important uh, understanding of how we are in the various seasons of life and we think about singleness, we ask, Lord, you would help us today to redeem this, to not see this as second rate or below par or just treading water, waiting my time, but we would see singleness, Lord, as a glorious thing you've given to us to be used for your glory and to enjoy you, Lord, in that season. Father, we ask and pray for your help now, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we embark on this series, you may have a number of questions here about gospel relationships. Some of the questions might be, do we really have to think about this? Or what are we hoping to achieve out of this? Uh, Will this be a practical how-to guide for dating? Or is, is the Bible a manual for first dates? Or you might be thinking, does Jesus really speak into marriage and how it should be shaped? Does does God have some sort of really vested interest there or not? 
Or what about separation and divorce? Is that really an issue with God or is that nothing? Or is family something that Jesus helps us with? Is this, does that happen? Well, here's where we're going to go in this direction as a church. I think all those things are critically important. Singleness here really is a significant part of our culture. It's not something small, it's huge. Uh, And it's super important, therefore, that what we do is um, to recognise that and to understand it, to value them, to care for them and to make the most out of our singleness uh, or the season of single we find ourselves in for God's glory. Marriage, marriage is a very precious gift of God that builds strong community foundations. Strong marriages build strong communities. But with marriage comes lots of challenge. And if that challenge is left undone and not addressed properly, well, we can blow each other up in marriage. That happens. Families, important as well. What do families do? Families fulfil the mandate that God has given to be fruitful and multiply and to cover the face of the earth. What are families? Families are a microcosm of community. A community of challenges, a microcosm of that, that comes with family, but also a community of acceptance, safety, love and joy in God-ordained families. So what we're going to do here over these next few weeks is we want the gospel to speak into these dynamics. Singleness, dating, marriage, families. And we want the gospel to speak into that so that God will be glorified in and through all of those dynamics and that his joy would flow through us as we glorify him through those various areas of life and various seasons of life where we find ourselves. To be fully satisfied in Christ no matter where we are and what we're involved in and what season we're going through. A couple of really important things to note, and I will repeat this over the next few weeks as well. Uh, What we'll go over these next few weeks will not be the total and complete package of everything that could be said about singleness, dating, uh, marriage or family. There's a whole lot of complexity in these areas, so we're not going to cover every single thing today in about a 35-minute talk. We're just not going to possibly get over that. What we will do, though, is we will dive deep into some things... And other things will put some big picture principles in place that actually help us then form our thinking into some of those more complex areas of those various seasons. So we're not going to cover every possible thing. We'll dive deep into some things. Other things will just put some big picture principles in place to help us shape and form our thinking. Also, I'm sure over the next few weeks I'm going to be misunderstood. I'm sure of that, okay? Because I just understand what I say and what I'm trying to communicate. You may hear differently depending on what season you're in. I understand that with these sort of things, there can be high emotions around these things because they are often involving our emotions. That you know, I might speak into and then it might spark with you, well, I don't want to hear this at the moment. And you won't say it. Hopefully you won't say it out loud. But you might be saying in your mind, I don't really want to hear this. Or you might say in your mind, yeah, Todd, you don't understand my situation that I'm going through. I get that. I'm not in your shoes. I'm not walking through the things you've been walking through. But I still believe that the Lord can speak into those situations with his truth that is timeless and is transforming for our lives as well. I'm not going to get it all right. No one will get it all right. 
But by the help of God's spirit and the truth of God's word, we will try and speak some godly principles and wisdom into these areas to help us shape that. And I fully get I am not the fountain of all wisdom when it comes to relationships, but we'll trust. We'll trust that God's spirit will take uh, his word and to use that to shape us. What I'm also going to do is I'll let you know of some good resources which actually help take a deeper dive into some of these things, namely books and possibly some podcasts that will help us to get more sort of into the complex areas. Now, when I recommend these resources, I'm probably going to say books are better than podcasts. Now, I know a lot of you people like podcasts and that's great. Podcasts are good. But I think books are better for these reasons. You can read a book and you can mark it up as you're going through. You can underline certain passages and you can actually write your own thoughts there and and the margins beside. And sometimes if you're not quite sure where something's going in a paragraph, you can quickly go back and reread the paragraph again. A little bit hard for a podcast. You can sort of stop it and go back a few seconds and go back. But a book's really, for me, is way more helpful to actually write some stuff down and mark stuff up. So I'll have some of that hopefully as well for you. So today we're going to start with being single or singleness. Possibly you've lived with your family either a short time or a long time because sometimes in some families some kids are put out, well not kids but teenagers, young adults are put out pretty quickly. You may have completed your education, you may have also got a job and you possibly could have moved home or not moved home. You're single. In other words, you're not in a close relationship as it were with a boyfriend or girlfriend at this particular time. ABS Stats, or Australian Bureau of Statistics, tells that there are more than 2 million people in Australia who live in a single-person household. That's a lot of people living on their own in one household, and there are probably a number of those here today as well. And when you combine that with lone parent households as well, it's something like 40% of all households are basically single people. That's a large section of our culture. That's a large section of people. So how can we see singleness then in the light of the redeeming truth of the gospel and maximise it for God's glory and our joy in him? That's what we want to do here as we think about singleness. Not see it as second rate or below par or this is just a waste of my life. Not at all. We want to see that redeemed for God's glory and our joy in his glory. Firstly, I think what would be helpful initially is to get a grasp of the subtle pressures that this world somewhat puts onto us through relationships and viewing them with a very shallow nature, particularly around singleness in that way. And I think this will be helpful because somewhat we are being influenced all the time by these subtle pressures in this world around about us, the way they speak their messages into our lives about the season we happen to be in. So what are they? I'm just going to list a few and talk about them and then we'll begin to see uh, how they are not helpful for us and ultimately won't help us to glorify God and enjoy him. There's a sense where the world tells us we can only be fully human and experience what that is, to be fully human and to experience what that is, if we are in some type of romantic relationship. The world will say, and go along lines like this, to have the full human experience of satisfaction and fulfilment, you need to love and be loved by someone in a romantic way. If you want to be truly and fully human, you you need to be in that type of relationship. Like if you're not in that type of a romantic relationship, 
then you're missing out on a very important part of what it is to be human. From the world's perspective, you subtly feel like you're missing out on something that's really, really important because you haven't done that. The world gives us that message. In that sense, I'm not fully complete. I'm not fully there because I haven't experienced that romantic relationship as such. Here's another one. The world tells us also that to be truly happy in life, you need to be in a relationship. Happiness comes from being in a relationship. You need to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you're connected with and that will solve all of your unhappiness problems. The reason why I'm unhappy is because I haven't got a boyfriend or I haven't got a girlfriend. I'm unhappy because I'm single and I'm alone. If I just had that someone who gets me, someone I can share my life with, then I'd be happy. That's what I need. All the unhappiness would be gone if I could just have that someone. Now, I will say there's an element of truth in that. Certainly a partner can contribute to our happiness. So we're not going to shoot that down altogether. But if we build our worldview on that, that that is what constitutes all my happiness is to be in some sort of relationship, that will fail us. That will not stand the test of time. Uh, The world also says this. The act of sex is one of the ultimate highs in life. If you want to experience the highs in life, you need to have sex. And to experience this ultimate high of sex, you need to be in some sort of a relationship to do this. Now, I use the word relationship very loosely when it comes to thinking this way because you can buy sex. You don't really have to be in a relationship at all. But the world still says, in a sense, if you want to experience this ultimate high, the act of sex, you need to be in a relationship. It's really important to understand here that the good gift of sex, and it is a good and great gift that God has given to us, is only to be unwrapped in the confines of a committed marriage and covenant before the Lord. So we're not going to say that sex is wrong in itself. It's a glorious gift that God has given to us, but only in the confines of a covenant marriage before the Lord. The world says, no, you don't need that. You don't need covenant. All you need is consent. That's a big thing in our culture. They're teaching about consent around sexual relationships. So with that comes the Tinder app. You can go on the phone, you can get onto Tinder and you can have a consenting relationship with somebody via the app and you can meet up very quickly and just basically satisfy the high of sex via an app on your phone. That's the culture we're in, thinking you need to be in a relationship to to experience this high of sex. Now, a Western culture... And society has very quickly evolved into a hookup culture. Go to a party, meet somebody there, and pretty well you can have sex that night with that person. That's the way the culture works. It's not always like that. You can quickly move to that, and then actually um, you might break up a few weeks later, or even a few days later sometimes, and do it all over again next month. That's the culture that the, we live in that's around about us. The world also says this when it comes to relationships. To complete your identity in this world, so to to have this completed identity, you need to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There's a party going on. 
Everybody's heading there and they've all got partners to take on them except you and maybe a couple of others. And when that happens, you feel like you're lacking somewhat in your identity. You and the other two people that are there with you at the party just feel like we just feel like we're not quite cutting it with the others here in this. And you may even look on with a bit of jealousy as you see the others sort of pairing up and having a good time together. And it hurts even more so when you, at the end of the party when they head back to their cars and you just walk solo back to your, par- your car again to do that. You feel like my identity is not complete because I haven't got this relationship in my life. You see, singleness in this world can seem like we're missing out on something. We're not complete as yet. There's a part of me that I just haven't connected with and it's just making me not the person I was made to be. I'm missing something. Singleness also can be seen as a shallow thing, like something's wrong with you if you're still single. It's a bit like I said before, you know, Grandma says, what's wrong with you, girl? You should be married by now. It just sends all the wrong messages to the person when someone says that. It's just telling them there's something wrong with you. If you're single, there must be something wrong. Why you haven't got a boyfriend? Why you haven't a girlfriend? Here's one of the traps that we can fall into. If we allow the world, and that can be via the culture, but also can be via other influences, if we allow the world to influence and shape the way we think of singleness, we will start to devalue ourselves and see ourselves as second rate or below par or below normal. And even worse, if we're a believer, we can say, God's holding out on me. He's he's withholding something good from me. If we start to allow ourselves to be shaped by this world that's around about us. It can even go further. We can sometimes also idolise relationships as well. As though this is my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to be married. My purpose in life is to be in a relationship. And when I say idolise it, it becomes like this. Uh, It becomes the ultimate in life for me. God's created me to be in a relationship with another person. God's created me to be married to somebody at some day. And when I say idolise it, it becomes the driving influence or the driving factor of my life. Everything just sort of goes through that filter or through that lens that I must be in a relationship to the point where it comes ahead of what who God is in my life. I begin to idolise this thing and it's actually beginning to, as it were, jag me around and control my thinking and control the way I live. Perhaps you should maybe evaluate this if you're a single person. And evaluate saying, if being in a relationship is the ultimate thing for me, what sort of questions may I ask to myself? It could be this. Do you find your mind easily and regularly wandering to thoughts of a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Do you look at social media and seeing other couples pairing up and then you have this really strong feeling here, I wish that was me. They seem so happy. I wish that was me. Maybe even feelings of jealousy may come over you when you see these things. You'll probably need a close friend, maybe even help you to maybe diagnose or navigate this. If you think that 
boyfriend, girlfriends begin to dominate the way I think. Maybe a close friend could say, hey, look, you're spending a lot of time thinking about this. A close friend could actually help evaluate that, whether it's becoming a dominant factor in my life. If those sorts of thoughts are regular and you, they easily come to you, be on the lookout that perhaps being in a relationship is becoming an idol of your life. It's becoming the dominating thing of who you are. Really important to, to set the, uh, the foundation here of the faulty views of the way we can think about the way the world thinks about relationships and singleness and the way our own hearts can deceive us as well. To get that right understanding and concept here, um, of thinking how this is wrong if I think that way. Okay, how does the Bible then interact with us as we think about singleness? How does the Bible now begin to shape that so we don't buy into those lies that the world uh, is trying to sell us? Well, we need to answer this with a really big picture biblical principle so we get this. And the question we need to ask ourselves, well, why have I been created? Have I been created for relationship? Have I been created for marriage? What have I been created for? We've been created to glorify God. That's the purpose of our human existence. Have a look with me again in that verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Paul's speaking to the Corinthian church and answering a whole series of questions and dramas they've got. And here he comes up with this verse, because they've been sort of debating about eating and drinking and food sacrifice to idols and a whole range of things. But he has this verse here, which is like a big, big principle. So, says Paul, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, says Paul, do all to the glory of God. God hasn't created us solely, solely to find a relationship or marriage partner in life. That is not the purpose that God has made us for. We've been created by God to glorify God. That is our sole purpose in life. And that overlays our singleness as well. Have a look in that verse there. Paul starts off in this verse with the very small things of life. Eating and drinking. Now, for some people, they're not the small things. They're the big things. They enjoy their eating and drinking, and that's okay too. But he starts off here with these smaller things in life, the mundane things, eating and drinking. And then he makes this blanket statement. Whatever you do, do all. Whatever you do, do all, says Paul. Well, let's think about that. What does whatever you do, do all, what does that cover in life? Very small words, but very big, wide application. Whatever you do, do all. It means everything, doesn't it? There's no exceptions there when Paul writes that. He's not saying, whatever you do, except singleness, glorify God. He's not saying that. He says, whatever you do, do all, everything. So our singleness then falls under this big picture principle. This God-ordained season here is to glorify God, is to make Christ look sensational in our lives. It's to make God look wonderful, 
powerful and altogether lovely in this season of singleness, in this gift of singleness. Now, you might not see this as a gift, but it is a gift. Let's have a see how Paul talks about it. First uh, Corinthians 7, 6 and 8, he says this. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. Talking to the Corinthians here. But each has his own gift from God. One of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Don't ever think being single is a substandard life, below par life, second rate life. Paul says there, it's good. Now, there were some extenuating circumstances at Corinth at the time. But again, he's not demeaning singleness whatsoever here. He's saying, it is good for them to remain single as I am. Now, I say a season of singleness as well, because it's a really, really good desire and a noble thing to want to be married. And we will obviously talk more about that in the weeks to come. So... Don't misunderstand me today saying marriage is bad and singleness is the the best thing. Everything's got to be taken in balance over these next few weeks. But there's a season of singleness. So in that lead up of, of potential of being married, you'll be in a season of singleness. For those who have been married, have all been through a season of singleness. Now that season of singleness... It's not meant to be spending all your time reading bride-to-be or bridal guide in that season of singleness. There'll be some times as you get closer to marriage you'll do that. But that's not the season we're meant to be in. It's like, I'm just waiting and I'm just going to get... No, that's not the season. That's not the way that season is meant to be spent. But there could be a season of singleness. For others, not everybody, but for others... Single will be a gift that God gives for the duration of their life. And that's fully okay as well. They're no less a human in any way, shape or form if that's the gift that God gives them at that time. God will enable some to live without any real strong desire to marry. And that's fully okay. God will give that gift to some people. Either way though, for a season, if it's just a season, or if it's a lifetime... Singleness is a gift to be used for God's glory with that big principle overlaying our lives. Whatever you do, you do for the glory of God. So, if we continually uh, live in despair of being single or are are obsessed with wanting to be married, we're not going to be using that season for God's glory. We'll either be obsessed and our mind is just consumed with it, or we're living in despair because I'm second rate and there's something wrong with me. If that's the case, we're not going to be living for God's glory in this season of singleness. There are some massive advantages in being single and using this single for God's glory. And that's what Paul wants to help us see as well. And that's what God wants to help us see as well. To not waste this season of singleness, but to use it for God's glory. Have a look again how Paul talks about it here in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35. He says this. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. So this the unmarried man, he's thinking about the Lord. 
But the married man in verse 33 is anxious about worldly things. Now, when he talks about worldly things, he's talking about his marriage here, how to please his wife. And in verse 34, it says his interests are divided. He's thinking about the law, but he's also thinking about his wife at the same time. This is not saying marriage is bad, so don't hear that. Okay, Do not hear that when I'm going through this. And the unmarried woman or betrothed, the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and in spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. Again, how to please her husband. There's divided interests here. I've got conflicting things that I'm working with. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, here's some of the glorious aspects of being single that God uses for us to glorify him is we have way less distractions when we are single. Way less distractions when we are single. When you're single, you have unbelievable flexibility with your time and energy. If you want to do something, just do it. You could just go. Because you don't have to consult your wife or consult your husband. Or Okay, let me just, let me just check that with my wife before I can... When you, you don't have to do that. You've got this undivided distraction. You can just go and put your time and energy into things like that and maximise this for God's glory. And then when the kids come along, it's another series of distractions. Now, don't hear me say that marriage is wrong and kids are wrong. They're good and we're going to have plenty of it. But they are distractions. They, They divide your attention. When you're single, you don't have that. You can just go and do and serve without thinking about these other things. And that can be maximized in this season of um, singleness. Now, as an example, uh, I was raised in a church and a family with a very strong serving culture in my life. My mother and father modelled it greatly for me during their time in church. And the church I was in had a very strong serving culture. We wanted to see Jesus, uh, serve Jesus and to see the gospel grow. I can remember as a 20-year-old, single young guy, Lots of energy, full-time job. Sometimes in the summer it was 60 hours a week in the harvest. But here's what I was doing when I was a 20-year-old serving in the church. This is not to inflate me. God gives different capacities to different people. But just as an example, I was co-leading a midweek Bible study group on Wednesday nights. On Friday nights I was a leader at Royal Rangers. Anybody ever heard of Royal Rangers? Only Dot and Evelyn, a couple others, right? It's a very old kids club, right? Very old kids club. I was a co-leader on Friday nights at Royal Rangers. I was a leader at youth group on Saturday nights. And on Sunday, I was either leading in the kids area or I was singing with a microphone. Now, a few people are laughing when they heard me singing with a microphone. Yes, that is true. I was singing with a microphone. Um, I've got another story I'll tell you in a couple of weeks' time about that. Now, I don't say that to brag whatsoever. Okay, God gives various capacities to, to different people. I was young, I was single, I loved Jesus and I wanted to serve and I had loads of energy and I had loads of time to go and do that. You know what? I have no regrets whatsoever from, from at that point throwing myself into those sorts of things. No regrets whatsoever and actually using the time and the energy that I had at that particular 
moment. As a single bloke, I actually found massive joy in serving Jesus and building so many connections with people in serving. Whether it was the the little kids on Friday night and the youth on Saturday night and Bible study midweek and other things. Loved it. Just built so many great friendships and serving. That's hence the reason, again, we're thinking about serving 2024. We sent that out. It's a great way to connect with people in that particular fashion. Massive joy in doing that. And what I might say is this, that perhaps one of the key things with being single or challenges is loneliness. You get in your car and you drive home and you've got this empty house. But one of the ways to combat loneliness is actually, I found, was to serve. Because you build so many great relationships in serving that you didn't get swallowed up in loneliness. You actually built these connections with people and I found serving was a way to overcome that loneliness. Didn't use use it as a cover-up, but just that was the benefit that came out of that. Lots of great people to connect with. And what it helped me do was was not to focus inwardly when I was serving and it's all about what a despairing situation I've got, I'm single. When I served, it actually gave me an, an outward focus to look on how can I serve Christ and serve others. And that focus was a great sense of uh, satisfaction and joy for me in fulfilling that serving. So from that, what did I do? I reaped great joy in Jesus as I served with the ability of time and energy and talents that God had given me and as much as I could with the capacities God had given me to glorify him. Paul writes for us here about this on our time on earth. He says this in Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 16. He says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. How do we make the best use of our time here as a single? How do we become wise and not become besotted with having a boyfriend or a girlfriend as the most important thing in life? How do we redeem this singleness then that God's given us this season to be in, to make the best use of our time? Well, we need to be set free from the shallow and the false ideals that this world tries to communicate to us. We need to have our minds renewed and our minds changed. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Only he can set us free in our minds to think the way he wants us to think, to be absolutely fulfilled and satisfied and to glorify him in our season of singleness. Did you know that the most satisfied, the most fulfilled person who ever walked the face of this earth was a single guy, Jesus Christ. Jesus never had a girlfriend, Jesus never got married, and Jesus never had children. He is the most satisfied and fulfilled human being that has ever walked the face of this earth, and he's single. Single. Absolutely lived in the fullness of humanity. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Ultimately, Jesus is talking here about eternal life, but we can know a glimpse of that now in our singleness. What is he saying here? Satan comes through the world, through the world's messages to us, to steal our singleness by selling us a cheap imitation. By telling us this is not good. 
You need to be in a relationship. You need to be in this. You need to do that. Satan wants to tell us that life is all about being in that relationship and that's where you're going to find the ultimate life. He wants to steal that from us, the satisfaction and joy we can find in Christ. What does Jesus do? Jesus goes to the cross to pay the price of our sins, to give us this new heart, this new mind, to redeem our singleness. To not get caught up in despair, to not get caught up in being besotted by uh, being in a relationship, and then to ultimately bring us into the relationship that we must have. The most glorious relationship we could ever imagine. To be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And to know his fullness flowing through our lives and being satisfied in that. Jesus came to give us eternal life so that we could serve him in his glory. That's the singleness that Jesus calls us into. That's the singleness of fruitful joy in the gospel of Christ. Living for the glory of Jesus Christ. Not being consumed by marriage. And not being consumed by despair in this world. Let's pray. Father, today we uh, do come before you to thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you today, Lord, for your investment into our lives. That there are no wasted seasons, there are no wasted times. There are no second-rate people here because of being single. They are not substandard. They are not below par. Help us, Lord, we pray, not to believe the lies of this world. Help us, Lord, not to be influenced by the so-called ideals of this world. God, I pray, please help us to value our singleness, to value this season, whether it be a season or be a lifetime. That you have graced us to be able to live in this way and to maximise it for your glory, Lord. Help us to be able to serve in this season, I pray. Father, I pray also help us, those who are married, to speak wisely with those who are single around about us. Not to communicate any messages, Lord, that seems like we're undervaluing them or they're missing out on something or thinking you've got to be in that relationship. Help us to be really wise the way we love and care for our single people, Lord, that they are precious people made in your image. Help us as we go through these next few weeks, Lord, just uh, valuing also dating and valuing also, Lord, marriage and family, that we'd see how you are working in every situation in our lives to maximise this for your glory and our joy. Now, Lord, we ask that now, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.